Welcome to the Lost Tapes of History podcast. You're about to eavesdrop on the first 10 minutes of a private conversation between a Tudor personality and, frankly, someone just trying to do their job. The date is March 1590 and Queen Elizabeth is on the throne. The first book of the Fairy Queen has just been published. Afternoon. Who said that? Look down. There we go. What the... Hello, Mr. Spencer. Or can I call you Edmund? Are you... A fairy. Yes, that's right. I must be dreaming. I only had one ale at lunch. No, you're not dreaming. I'm really here, standing on your leg. You've got some kind of message. A message? From whom? No, I haven't got a message. I'm here to thank you. Thank me? Yes, for the book. Well, that's me, you see. What? I'm the Queen of the Fairies. The Fairy Queen. So when I heard your book had just been published all about me, I thought I'd better fly down and thank you. You're the Queen of the Fairies. I mean, I know we've never actually met, so that's why I thought I'd better show my face. Have you actually read the book yet? No, no I haven't. It's published by John Wolfe for William Ponsonby in blockish quarto format. Right. I don't have any money. And quite honestly, I was hoping I'd get a freebie. I can lend you my copy if you like. I can't even lift it, let alone turn a page. You know this is only book one. There's more than one. There are going to be three initially, then there will be another three in the future, and then perhaps six follow after that. Crikey, I'm honoured. Perhaps I'd better just give you the overview of book one to start. Oh yes, please go ahead. The hero is called the Red Cross Knight. He's been given a task by Gloriana, the Queen of the Fairies, to fight a terrible dragon. I see. I've got a fake name. That's okay. It also totally sounds like something I would ask someone to do. He is travelling with a beautiful young woman called Una and a dwarf servant. The three of them are caught in a storm and find cover in a forest. When the storm clears, they realise they're lost and they end up near a cave which Una recognises as the Den of Error. Because... It's where people make mistakes. Error is the name of a terrible beast. Una warns them not to go in, but the knight ignores her and is attacked by the beast. However, he manages to chop off his head. Hurrah! 
The three set out again, and, and as night falls, they meet an old hermit who offers them lodging in his inn. But, you see, he's not really a hermit. He's Archimago, a sorcerer. Well, we've all gone to a dodgy B&B at some point. Archimago gives the knight a dream of love and turns a spirit into the shape of Una, so that when the knight wakes up in a passion, Una appears to be lying right there offering him a kiss. But he manages to resist her and goes back to sleep. Yeah, well, we've all been there as well. He puts a sprite disguised as Una in a bed and turns another sprite into a young man and puts him into the same bed. Then he wakes up the knight and points them out. Oh dear. The knight is furious that she would spoil her virtue with another man and so he rides off without her. Double standards. When Una wakes up, she sees the knight has gone and goes off to look for him. The sorcerer disguises himself as the knight and goes after Una. Oh, I see how this is going. Do I come in and save the day? No. Oh. Back to the knight. He meets another knight called Sansfoy, who is travelling with his lady Fidessa. They get into a fight and he kills Sansfoy. I'm not sure I like all of this violence. She says she's the daughter of the Emperor of the West. And he's enamoured by her beauty. Poor old Una's forgotten, I see. The night and Fidessa continue, but the sun gets so hot that they shelter under some trees. The night breaks off a branch and blood drops from it. A voice cries out in pain. The tree can talk and tells him its story. Well, sure, I mean, that's just normal. A bleeding, talking tree. And people have trouble believing in fairies. The tree was once a man, and the tree next to him was once his lady. Once he defeated a knight to win his lady, and that lady turned out to be an evil witch. Did he marry her or just win her? The witch turned his lady into a tree. But he saw that she was a witch, and when he tried to run away, she turned him into a tree as well. I don't feature a lot in this so far, do I? Fidessa faints, because she is in fact the evil witch, and worries that she will be found out. The knight doesn't notice, and they carry on their journey. Not so smart this knight, is he? We come back to Una, who is still looking for the knight. She stops to rest under a tree, and a lion comes along. Right. So, it's set in Africa, is it? This is all getting a little bit Wizard of Oz for me. It's about to attack, when seeing her beauty and innocence, he decides to follow her around and protects her. Of course he does. She thinks she's seen her knight. But it's Archimago, still in disguise. But she's fooled, and they carry on together. Where's the dwarf in all this? Then they meet a knight called Sansloy, who wants to avenge the death of his brother, Sansfoy, and thinks Archimago is the knight. 
parents not the most imaginative with names like Sans Loy and Sans Foy. He <clears throat> knocks down Archimago and is about to kill him when his disguise falls off. He spares him, kills a lion and takes off with Una. And then I sweep in and save the day? No. Then we're back with the knight, who has been led by the evil witch into a palace called the House of Pride. They are welcomed in by the queen called Lucifera. Little hint there, if he was smart. She shows off her six counsellors. Idleness, gluttony, lechery, avarice, envy and wrath. Ah, so it's all the seven deadly sins then? Sandsjoy arrives and sees the knight and challenges him to a duel to avenge his brother's death. Sandsjoy, Sandsloy and Sandsfoy. Give me strength. So they fight and the knight is about to kill Sandsjoy when he disappears in a black cloud. The knight is put to bed to heal his wounds. But the evil witch goes to awaken night. The night? Not the night, but night, as in opposite of day. Confusing. They recover Sandsjoy's body and descend into hell to find Aesculapius, a doctor who was sent to hell because he could bring men back to life. They try and persuade him to bring Sandsjoy back. I mean, if he just brought Sandsboy back, they wouldn't need all these revenge fantasies. Meantime, the dwarf... Oh, he's still here, is he? ...makes a horrible discovery in the dungeons. Ooh, is it a fetish thing? No. There are thousands of bodies that have been overcome with pride. The knight realises he must leave, and so escapes. And... Where's Una in all this? Una is crying out for help because Sans Loy is trying to have sex with her. But luckily the wood gods in the forest hear her cries and come to her aid and Sans Loy runs away. I think the moral of this is don't go into the woods. A knight comes by called Saturain who pledges to protect Una on her journey. They come across an old man who says he saw the knight killed that very day. He's very upset. Even though he's a thicko. Saturain, eager for revenge, asks where the man is that killed him. The old man takes them to Sansloy. Remember, he didn't kill the knight. He defeated Archimago disguised as the knight. Um... Nevertheless, they fight, and because it takes so long, Una slips away. It can get quite boring. Meanwhile, the knight is resting. The evil witch finds him lying by a stream. Then a giant, Orgolio, finds them. This won't end well. The giant takes the witch as his lover and throws a knight in his dungeon. I bet the knight is wishing he just stayed at home. The dwarf gets away and bumps into Una. He just bumps into her. How big is this forest exactly? She decides to go to him in a giant's castle, but on the way she meets King Arthur, who asks her what's wrong. Of course he does, because he's got nothing better to do. 
She tells him that she is a princess whose royal parents are held captive by a fierce dragon. Gloriana, the fairy queen, sent the knight to kill the dragon and free her parents, but he's been captured by a giant. Well, at least I'm mentioned again. Arthur says he'll help Una, and they go to the castle. The giant comes out, and the evil witch does too, on a seven-headed beast. What is it about the number seven here? Arthur kills the beast and the giant. Una goes into the castle and finds her knight. They show him the evil witch that had fooled him all along and let her escape into the woods. Why let her escape? While they rest in the castle, they ask Arthur about his life. He says he is there in search of a woman who had briefly appeared to him and called herself Queen of the Fairies, which led him to search for her. A love story? I never get to be in love stories. They are very sympathetic, but now they must leave him and continue on their quest. No! Go back to the side plot with King Arthur! Una is worried that the knight is now too weak to fight the dragon. Suddenly, a knight comes running towards him in fright. His name is Sir Treveson, and he is running from a man called Despair. This has way too many characters, by the way. Despair has already caused one of Treveson's friends to kill himself. Did he tell him this story? He leads them to Despair, who is a gloomy old man who sits in a cave. What's wrong with privacy? The knight wants revenge, but the old man just asks why he has such a problem with death. Death, he says, simply brings an end to a life of sin and thus cannot come too soon. Not invited to too many parties, is he, that chap? He nearly persuades the knight to kill himself, but Una stops him. She knows he needs help. So takes him to the House of Holiness. Is it like a spa? He is finally taken to a high hill by contemplation, a wise old hermit. From there he can see Jerusalem and Cleopolis, the city of the Fairy Queen. Ooh, I get a whole city! Contemplation tells the knight about his past. He is not a fairy, but he was stolen by a fairy. This kind of thing gives us a bad name. He is destined to become a great saint of England, and his real name is George. He meets back up with Una, and they go to her castle to fight the dragon. Well, this is all falling into place now. But eventually, the knight slays the dragon. The king and queen are released. Finally. They want to know when he's going to marry Una. Think that's reasonable after all they've been through. But he still has a duty to serve the Fairy Queen for six years. Oh no, don't drag me into this. Then a messenger comes in and says that they cannot get married because he's already pledged his hand to another woman. Oh, it's not me, is it? That would be a twist. The knight explains it was only an evil witch who tricked him, and so it doesn't count. And they see that the messenger is Archimago who's trying to stir things up. Troublemaker. I quite like him. And so they carry on with the pie until he must leave to fulfil his duty for a further six years. The end. Right. I mean, it's not exactly how I thought I would come across. 
Do you want to hear the plot of book two? Am I in more of that one? No. Then I don't want to know. Did you get the, the you know, the <clears throat> themes though? Duty, res- responsibility, friendship. Yes, 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 I, I got all that. It's just, considering the book is called The Fairy Queen, I'm not really in it that much, am I? It's not about you, Gloriana. It, it's not literally the Queen of the Fairies. She's Queen Elizabeth. I see. And this Elizabeth, does she have wings? No. She's a queen, so she does have a crown. And what makes her better than me? I needed a patron to financially support me in order to write. Do you know how expensive paper is? Do I look like I do my own writing? I have a PA, you know. I had a paper allowance when I was a secretary in Ireland of £15 per year. Nearly as much as my annual salary. That's when I first started to work on a book. When I arrived in Ireland for work. And that's also where I met Sir Walter Riley. Who's he when he's at home? He's at Elizabeth's court. He read an early draft. He's written two dedicatory poems for this first edition of the book. And you're in London because? I only came to London to see the book be printed. I wanted to make sure it was all perfect. How can you be happy with this? What do you mean? Look at it. Your stanza form. What of it? You've invented your own type of stanza. So? This is not pleasurable for human ears, let alone fairy ears. I I understand that you're upset, but... If you'd had to read this at school, would it have made you want to study English or become a writer? No. It would have put you off for life. Well, there's no need for that. I'll tell you who knows how to write about fairies. Shakespeare. And quite honestly, it's a lot easier to understand. Yeah, well, those are plays to act it out, so they would be. I've a good mind to turn you into a frog, young man. Next time, it's Dr John Dee and the Astrologer. The less said about your aims, the better. The Lost Tapes of History podcast is a Since 79 production. If you've enjoyed it, please leave us a review and subscribe to get more episodes. To fact check what you've heard on this person, visit our website, losttapesofhistory.co.uk. You can also follow us on Twitter at Since79P and use the hashtag Lost Tapes of History. <laughs> <laughs>